This episode contains depictions of violence that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Here we are. Here we are. We're the new witches. Here we are. Back again. Don't know. She's a friend. (laughs) (laughs) She's seeing her her dad wandering around outside and she Mm. doesn't understand why she's right not right next to him. So (laughs) Oh, the daddy's girl. It's a problem. (laughs) Dude, seriously. I feel like I haven't talked to you like at length in a while. How have you been? It really does feel like it's been a while. Yeah. Um I've been I've been good. Okay, so I started a retinol serum. Mm-hmm. I got dates for IVF. Assuming <gasps> thing assuming my cycle is a certain length. I have dates. That's exciting. Um it is it's exciting and also like now the nerves are kicking in they weren't there yeah, before right and then <clears throat> this has been my first week of like officially working and, and like not training right and so <gasps> flying solo flying solo my day yesterday started with a woman uh, long story short she told me to go back to work I'm a lazy piece of shit. What? Yeah. Does she understand yeah. that you're like at work? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really sure who she thinks she called, but uh, she. I mean, she 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 called with her mind made up that she was mad and she yeah. just wanted to be mad at somebody. And she was. I talked to someone and then could hear it escalate. It was you. Oh, so I'm like, oh. no, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I'm looking. Yeah. I'm like, I can see who you talked with, lady. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I didn't promise you shit. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so that was yesterday morning. And then this morning, um, I was looking at my score because, like, we send out surveys. And I'm always like, I want to be the best. So yeah. mm-hmm. I want my best score. And um. Oh, not best score. I want my score to be above that, like the group average, because then I feel better. Yeah, like naturally. I'm better. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> it like dipped down, and I had one bad review, and I was like, "What the fuck? What happened?" And it was a woman who was dissatisfied with something completely unrelated to me, and she wrote this big long paragraph, and even included. And then I talked to Laura, and she was great, and I'm like, "Whoa!" You understand that you're like reviewing. Whoa! That's the thing. Like older that people don't me. understand that they're that they're they Dude. don't understand that they're reviewing the person they dealt with and not like the company. Like they feel like they're writing on Yelp yep. or something, and that's yep. not the case with those kinds of surveys that you get after customer service calls. It's not the company. It's it's the person. <laughs> yeah, and that's how they start their day. So that was a cool start. But dude. That sucks when people are like that. It does. I mean, every there's 
it balances out. There's been some super cool people. I've been called darling and sweetheart. I feel like I'm talking to my grandma. <laughs> I love That's it. Cute. I love it. Yeah. It's uh it's been a good time. I feel like I had one more thing to round things out. We got a knock yes. ahead of time. It's okay. We're only two minutes in, Mom. It's fine. Oh, it's a mom. This is Mom. You want to meet Laura, though? Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't think you've ever met her. I'm this not is my ready mommy, to be Giselle. presented. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hi. This it's really nice to meet Giselle. you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's her birthday tomorrow. Oh. My little Gemini mom. Oh. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Nice meeting you. You nice too. Back. <laughs> <laughs> is it, oh Sorry, my birth control yeah. perfect thank you oh careful sorry i have a lot of mess my birth control <laughs> yeah so tomorrow i'm getting tomorrow i'm getting my iud taken out um and yeah i've been um so i I know that I'm not like obese or anything, but I have always had mm -hmm. body image issues, been trying to get in shape. I've been working with this coach one on one, one on one for the last five months, pretty much since like like right before New Year's. Um, uh -huh. So pretty much all, all of this year I've been working with her and I've had a lot of successes. I'm getting stronger. So there is progress being made. When I look at my mm -hmm. progress pics, I like see my waist coming in and stuff. And, you know, there comes to a point where you know, you're drinking all the water, you're sleeping all the sleeps, you're managing your stress, you're, I'm doing macros, I'm not doing any of like the fad dieting, I'm just, you know, have a target of protein, fats, and carbs that I'm, I'm having, um, and it's nothing mm -hmm. like dangerously low, and yet, I'm Good. not like really making a lot of progress, like, mm -hmm. that what one would think you would make out in five months, so been just chatting with doctors and i do suffer from hypothyroidism which you know means that i am oh, already okay. predisposed to very low energy output um yep so i just did a bunch of blood work today for that to get that checked up i mean i take medication for it but maybe i just need a new Good. dosage and then also um mm -hmm. i have the iud which it isn't like super, super common, but some women have trouble losing weight when they're on the IUD. So I'm just going to, you know, try something okay. different, a different birth control method, even though my IUD is good for another year. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little nervous as to how it's going to be when they take it out. I'm, this is like my first and only IUD. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm like, all right, I'm going to load up on some Advil beforehand. <laughs> because I feel like it's going to be really painful yeah. and it's going to suck and I told Gavin I'm like I'm going to be a bitch tomorrow <laughs> warning <laughs> and he gets to deal with it <laughs> yeah yeah I'm going to be a not even not even Either a bitch, a bitch actually. when like I'm a crying mess Who knows? when I'm uncomfortable yeah. or I honestly just mostly just cry if I'm in pain like yeah. I know I get grumpy grumpier more if I'm like um hungry <laughs> that's when i'm get, i get bitchy but now like mm -hmm. when i'm really really sick or if i'm like really sleep deprived or i'm in pain or something i just cry because it's so i'm you know honestly nothing new it's just another day of crying but for a new reason really so 
cancer moon. Yeah. Um, it's fine. No, but there's <laughs> that. But anyways, yeah, it's no, we had we had a really lovely weekend. It was great. We hiked through Marin. We cut we basically did almost everything we wanted to do. Um Oh good. Yeah, but I just I love Mount Tam and that area. Um, just all this, the hiking and Mere Woods. So we did Mere Beach and we stayed in an awesome hotel. Mm-hmm. We even went into the city Sunday. We had an amazing, uh, amazing lunch. I even got to see my cousin who was visiting and from Austin. It was awesome. So it was, it was a I great weekend. I saw that. And it was one of those weekends where we did so much that it felt like longer than just a weekend. When we were driving back home, it felt like we were coming back from like a four day vacation rather than just literally just 24 hours oh, that's nice. yeah it was it was really nice um yeah it was really great just thinking about it okay so i also <laughs> was having a great i was having a great hair weekend Ooh, yeah love those very well timed just like all the volume all the perfect beachy waves just on point so thank you to the hair gods <laughs> Whoever you are. Who is the god Who of hair? Who are the gods of hair? I guess it would just go under like beauty, but is there particularly somebody for like God beautiful of hair? Samson? Hair. <laughs> god of hair. Karis? Oh. Okay. Karos? Is it Wait, I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> Here's what? a few spellings. The first one that came up was C A E R U S. Um, he was the personification of opportunity, luck, and favorable moments. He was shown with only one lock of hair. So maybe not him. <laughs> A lock. Wow. Okay. Maybe not him. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, Probably not. Who is? Yeah, I guess it's like beauty. I don't know. We need one. I don't know. Thank you, Venus, I guess, for the beautiful hair. Yeah, there's some related to hair. Sith. Oh, okay. Loki. Loki cut her hair. I believe she had she had brown hair, and then Loki cut her hair, and then Loki was slapped on the wrist and told to give her hair back, and then he gave her golden locks of hair. Ah. <clears throat> well, to all the hair gods, thank you very much. That was that was great. Um. And yeah, anyways, oh, we do have, by the way, a new Patreon member. We have two. We have two new Patreon members. This episode is brought to you by Corey and Marina. <gasps> Thank you so much for your support. Like, we squealed, we cried, we laughed, we cried again. We're squealing now. It's just... <laughs> thank you so much. I'm not good with emotions. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But thank you so much. You are amazing. We hope that you enjoy all of your exclusive Patreon member benefits. Um... And we actually have a pretty fun, like, TikTok-ish slash horror-themed uh, bonus episode in store yeah. for our Patreon <laughs> slash members. Slash whatever it turns into. Slash, you know, our happens. cauldron. 
yeah, our cauldron side chats tend to be pretty like free flow, like free form conversation with yeah. a loose theme. You like it. Um, I think you like it. Yeah, yeah. So we have like no really prepared notes, maybe like a prepared like topic in mind, and then we just run with it. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but yes. So welcome to our spooky episode, though. Let me tell you, I almost did true crime because, well, my brain has been mush lately. <laughs> and then I started notes on a true crime thing that I had been working on for like three days. And then <laughs> today I put together my paranormal notes and I realized <laughs> that I don't have true crime. Oh, no. No, but I'm pretty excited. I, you know, I did do the best that I could within a day to get together good notes for you, but I'm excited to cover this one. But um, I'm really interested to see what you're going to cover today, Laura. Oh, yeah. Um, no problem. I have <laughs> um, <laughs> a story that I came across. I, I, I want to give them due, due credit. I feel like I saved it. I was on TikTok, <laughs> like I do, and <laughs> a video like super quickly covered this and I was like, oh wow, that's super interesting. And decided to to do it. It's not that far back. Okay, no, I can't find it. I'll find it. And if I find it, I will post it in our stories just so that oh here it is. Um caught podcast. Caught podcast. I don't think I've heard caught of caught podcast. I haven't either, but they like super you know, obviously in one minute covered the story and I was like I want to know more because I was mm. kind of blown away um by it. It's like okay. the crimes there's a mm, layers mm, layers kind of and like this dad is like Liam Neeson level. Oh. Yeah. Like maybe maybe one step below but uh, you'll see why. You'll see okay. why. So I am covering the death, um, the murder of Kalinka Bamberski. Oh, I, I love the name pronounced. first off. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, yes. So she, um, at the time of her death, she was 14, almost 15. She oh was born gosh. to, yeah, she was, she was, she was Just young. A baby. She was, she was, she was beautiful. I hate to use that as like a description of someone who's passed of like, oh my God, they were so beautiful. Cause I'm, I know there was more to them, but like she was, and I'll include pictures. Um, she was born to French parents, Andre. I always want to say it like it's Spanish. Andre. I don't know how you say it in French. Andre. 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 Is that what it is? Andre. Andre. That's right. I, right? I guess in French, like you have the French are like Andre. Right. Andre. It might be kind of hard for me. I've been talking. All day. So I'm going to, sorry, but I'm going to go with Andre. That's fine. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> and then her mom was Danielle Gonin. Okay. And Kalinka was someone who was very extroverted. She was considered pretty. You know, you look up any story, they all kind of talk about that. Um, she had very full lips, blonde, blonde hair. She had like long blonde hair and then like bangs straight across. Mm -hmm. um, and very active very social and uh, at this point she was attending a French language boarding school in Germany 
and this happened in 1982. Oh, a while ago. Okay. Yeah. So this was a while ago. Um, so she's French. Parents are French. She's going to end up in Germany. Okay. So her dad, Andre, he was born in France in 1938, but his father's family had come from Poland because he, he was kind of like Polish French. Okay. And um, in the early 1970s, he was an accountant and he and his wife and they had two children lived in Casablanca, Morocco. Oh, we're very European here. You guys can just like live wherever you want. And it's awesome. So while they were there, they met Dieter, Dieter Krumbach, trying to be German. It's not working, but um, he was German. Mm-hmm. And when they met him, they met him and his second wife. His first wife had died suddenly when she was 24 years old. Oh, so wow. this was the second wife. Okay. And he worked at the German consulate as a doctor. So he was a physician. Okay. Um, he, he, it's funny. Every source that I, I read about him mentioned him in his equestri- equestrian attire. He was like that kind of like Dr. Rich man that like wore the tight oh. pants with the, the coat and the, the Interesting. boots. Yeah. And just like would go equestrian riding in the Alps. Oh, we definitely had those kinds of customers when I worked at this <laughs> gluten-free bakery in Marin, in West Marin in college. Oh, come can- on. No, let me. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you this story. This is the kind of fucking clientele yes. that we got. And no hate on Marin Marinites. Um, I know there's many lovely Marinites, but there's also some really. Oh, well, I mean, I just went. I I just spent the weekend in Marin, and. <laughs> For people who don't know, um, if you've seen Big Little Lies, it's like that, but more woodsy in the Bay Area. (laughs) 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 Um, But pretty, like, very similar, like, kind of culture. Um, This woman comes in. This bakery is in San Anselmo. Flowercraft Bakery. Check it out. They, like, have blown up. They're super popular. Their line goes around the corner now, um, which is awesome because I worked there when they were kind of first starting out in their first year or two and this woman walks in and she's like has this chanel bag and um my boss would later tell me because my boss was into fashion not that she could like afford a a lot of it at the time but she just like knew brands and she's like that was a fifteen thousand dollar handbag or whatever and she came in asking for our gluten-free mini lavender madeline cookies and she had a party and she's like, oh, yes, you know, um, uh, George Lucas is going to be there. It's no big deal. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I'm in taking this order. And she's like, I need 150 of them. And I'm like, all righty. And then I'm like, you know, we we required the, you know, full amount. So, like, give me the deposit or whatever. She hands over her black MX. I'd never touched a black <laughs> MX until that moment in my life and i never have since (laughs) um and she's just like oh yes we're gonna take these madeleines and we're gonna put some uh what's the thing called what's like the mushed up liver um pate we're gonna put some pate on it and i'm like ew why uh what (laughs) that doesn't go together yeah, lavender madeline. Who knows? Maybe it did, like sweet and salty. 
some of that like floral who knows maybe she oh. had a vision in mind but um <laughs> i'm like i right, can't you just get some crackers <laughs> yeah anywho sorry um yes sorry for the interruption keep going that's just my no it's fine <laughs> she would have fit in quite well with Dieter and his equestrian attire in the Alps yeah I well, see it. the other thing I was going to that's sorry that my ADD brain um yes like th- a third of the people that would come in early in the morning at the bakery were like in equestrian attire just like that for what for what they were like I mean- about to go see their horses and they wanted you know Marin's finest gluten-free, you know, high-quality baked goods for going. So, and they are the best. We're gonna have to take a a girl trip together to this bakery. Oh yes, I looked. I looked them up the last time you mentioned them, and everything looks delicious. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! It's amazing. I would be game. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyways, Dieter. Dieter. Marin man. Do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my fun. I have I mentioned that before. My grandpa, um, my Dutch grandpa, um, he lived in the Netherlands during World War Two, and mm-hmm. you know, non not it was all Nazi occupied, and yeah. then um, like less than ten years later, he got married to my grandma, and they went on a honeymoon where they like traveled all over Europe in um when they were in Germany. Dutch and German is very close, but he was mm-hmm. speaking. German but he was like shouting it and my grandma got super <laughs> embarrassed but then realized that's the only German he's ever heard was like Nazi talking oh wow German right. and like that was the only way my grandpa could speak German was as if he was a Nazi commander <laughs> yeah he like <laughs> couldn't bring it down I mean that's kind all. of like the inside joke isn't it that like German sounds so angry all the time <laughs> which is funny because dutch is actually a little bit harsher but yeah yep so every time i hear anything in like german i imagine my grandpa just screaming it innocently I being <laughs> nein <laughs> schmetterling <laughs> which means butterfly <laughs> so pretty so pretty schmetterling <laughs> Anyway, uh, back to being serious. Dieter and Danielle, Andre's wife, began mm-hmm. a secret affair. Oh, I was wondering mm-hmm. if an affair like, would come up. Why would I mention this man? Yeah, mm-hmm. they started getting it on and left their partners. <gasps> so then there was a divorce. Dieter and Danielle got married. They got married wow. in 1977. Okay. So, eventually, Andre's children went to live with the Kronbachs in Lindau, Germany. Okay. And Kalinka was often described by other people as being very homesick. And she barely spoke German. So, like, she didn't really feel like she fit in there. Right. And she was, like, 14, 15. That's a really rough Mm -hmm. age to do a transition like that. It really is. But she... Again, she was very extroverted and social, so she did try to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime she was there, she would look forward to August when she would get to move back in with her her dad um, in a suburb of Toulouse. Oh. Toulouse. France. Toulouse. Toulouse. 
Um, <laughs> Miss Le Dulaus. That's <laughs> <laughs> like Toll House. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that's where Andre was living. Okay. And so on Friday, July 9th of 1982, Kalinka went windsurfing on Lake oh. Constance, which is a like super beautiful lake by the Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like, I think it's like Germany, Austria, and Switzerland are all kind of right there. Yeah. With, ugh, it's so pretty. So she goes and she does some windsurfing with friends. And then around five o'clock, she comes home. She's super tired. And according to her mom and stepdad, she said that she wasn't really feeling well. Okay. But um, two and a half hours later, they sat down. They had their dinner at 730. Mm -hmm. And then she went to bed early. But then she got back up to go drink a glass of water at around like 10 o'clock. And then according to her stepdad, she was... She went back to her bedroom where she was reading until about midnight when he okay. went in and asked her if she could turn the light off. Because, like, I don't know. Didn't. You were tired. Go to bed. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh-huh. The following morning at around 930, Kronbach came downstairs because that's how that was the design of the house. Mm-hmm. It's one of those backwards ones. A Marin-style house that's, like, on the hill where all the bedrooms are downstairs and the kitchen's upstairs. Yeah, I used to live in a house like that when I was little, up in the Fountain Grove area. It always throws me way off. I guess it's Mm -hmm. cool. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. That was their house. So, 9.30 in the morning, he comes downstairs to, like, check on her slash wake her up. And he found her on her right side dead what and her body was already becoming stiff with rigor mortis <gasps> meaning it had been, been a little bit yeah what at what hour does rigor mortis set in do you know i don't remember i thought it was a little bit longer than that when does rigor mortis set in uh, we ask the hard hour. questions for you guys, listeners. <laughs> we Google it. Um, <laughs> this, according to this, out of after approximately two to six hours, it begins oh. to set in and it peaks about 12 hours after death, but can last 24 to 84 hours postmortem. I guess it depends also kind of just what the conditions are, like temperature wise and everything yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we're like. Two to six hours post-death, then. We kind of right. know that. All right. Look at us figuring this out, even though I already know what happens. <laughs> Sleuthing. Um, <laughs> so he finds her. Rigor mortis is setting in. He later would tell medical examiners that he attempted to revive her. Because remember, he's a doctor. But he attempted to revive her with an injection directly into the heart of Coramin, which is the central nervous system stimulant. Mm-hmm. And doses of two other stimulants, Novadigil and Iso- Isoptin. And so those go straight- into the legs. Okay. So you jump straight to those. He didn't like do any CPR. He just is like, all right. There's no mention jump. of that. Interesting. Listen, well, I mean, yeah. I guess if like you feel her being stiff, you're like, okay, we're past CPR. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're a little past that. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So then he stated that on the evening of July 9th, right after dinner, before she like went to bed and all that, he injected her with cobalt ferlicit, which is a cobalt iron preparation that he actually used on several family members and friends. Mm -hmm. And he initially said that this was something that was intended to aid in tanning. And then later kind of contradicted himself and claimed it was intended to treat anemia. Okay. So it's like an iron. Wait, I mean, uh-huh. Tanning? Like. Yeah. Like an internal sunblock? And I don't know. I th- I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But we already know that's fishy, right? Yeah. He also later said that he had also given her a sleeping pill that night. To help okay, her sleep. he's giving her a lot of shit. I can't even keep up anymore. Yeah. Jesus. Basically. So 9.30, he finds her. Around 10.30, um, a call was made to Andre's home, which was, you know, like I said, in the Toulouse area. Mm-hmm. And his it was from his wife, and she told him about, you know, Kalinka. Oh, my gosh. So she had been a very healthy, very athletic teenager who had almost no history of medical trouble. So he was he was like, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, He like couldn't wrap his head around it. And Danielle explained that Kronbach had proposed two theories. Kalinka might have suffered from heat stroke. She was out in the sun all day. Mm hmm. Or she might have died from the long-delayed effects of a 1974 car accident in Morocco in which she had suffered a concussion. I mean, I guess that's plausible if she also hit her head while windsurfing? Question mark? What? I don't know. That was like eight years. I don't know. That must have been pretty bad. Anyway, Mm -hmm. the autopsy, which was conducted two days later, could not establish a cause of death but huh. did determine the time of death as between 3 and 4 a.m. Okay. So well, that totally the- checks out on our timing because of our sleuthing. I, I know, right? <laughs> wow, we're so cool. <laughs> now, among the findings of the autopsy, they found um, aspirated stomach contents in the airway and lungs. Mm-hmm. They found mm-hmm. undigested contents in the stomach, mm-hmm. several injection marks, um, God, which we kind of knew, like he tried to give her some injections, right? But right. then, then mm-hmm. we have a superficial vaginal tear that was <gasps> judged to have occurred after death, <gasps> as well as fresh blood stains around the genitals and a whitish substance in the vagina. Oh my the god. The substance was not tested. Why? I don't know, because what follows doesn't make sense either. The prosecutor declined to open a case. What? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's not okay. No, it's not okay. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm at a loss for words. So, so, Andre, he's a good dad. He obtained a copy of the autopsy report and he pressed for another investigation because, you know, that shit just doesn't add up. Yeah. 
Additional investigations were ordered in Germany and found that the cobalt ferlicit injection must have happened very close to Kalinka's death and that cobalt ferlicit is a dangerous drug that could cause an adverse reaction, but it would do so immediately after injection, not several hours later. Hmm. Okay. And then the undigested stomach contents pinpointed to a death soon after a meal. The aspirated stomach contents in the lungs pointed to a death during coma or anesthesia. Whoa. Okay. So we're already kind of like, what What exactly? She got up for like a midnight snack. Mm-hmm. Something. So the expert concluded that the timeline given by Kronbach was not convincing and that it was more likely that an injection right after dinner had caused circulatory failure, unconsciousness, vomiting, and death. Holy shit. Yeah. And then in 1983, Andre, he's like still upset by all this um, because no one wants to do anything. So he distributed leaflets in Lindau, Germany, accusing Kronbach of the rape and murder of his daughter. Mm hmm. Exactly so. Yeah. Right. So then Kronbach sued for defamation and received a judgment of 500,000 German marks, which um, Andre refused to pay. He said no. And then Andre hired well-known German lawyer Rolf Bossi to press for a trial against Kronbach. Mm-hmm. The case ended before the... Oh, I didn't help myself here. What? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how Laura pronounces this. The case ended before the Oberlandsgericht Munich in 1987 with a finding that there was insufficient evidence to prove that Kronbach's injection negligently or intentionally caused the girl's death. Hmm. And then her body was interred in Toulouse and was exhumed in 1985. Oh, gosh. So that happened before the case ended. So this is another weird part. The genitals had been removed and could not be found, and no new analysis could be performed. I'm sorry, what? That's not normal. Uh, no, that's really not. That's not normal. That's a he fucking bought big... off this med- medical examiner. And remember, he's a, he's, he's a rich man and doctor, so... Right, equestrian it... clothes. I will never yep. trust a man in equestrian clothes again. make a warning sign of that oh my god so an evaluation by french doctors was ordered which pointed to the poor quality of the original toxicological analysis and -hmm. concluded that the injection site at the right arm occurred close to death not several hours before so now we know there was an injection site in the right arm okay she must have had several i mean Um, they did say several that means a lot Exactly. So in 1995, following intense lobbying by Andre, Kronbach was tried in France in absentia, meaning he wasn't there for it, Mm -hmm. and received a sentence of 15 years in prison for intentionally afflicting of bodily harm, which caused unintentional death. Okay. So like, Andre's, he's got that for Mm -hmm. him, but Kronbach's in Germany. He's not in France. Um, so just to like 
Yeah, how's he going to serve that forward. if he's not in France? Oh, I'll tell you. The verdict was annulled in 2001 by the European Court of Human Rights, which censured France because Kronbach had not been able to defend himself. Kronbach received a compensation of 100,000 francs. And then a German court declined the French authorities' extradition request of Kronbach in 2004, stating that the case was closed. So, 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 so. So. Andre. Andre here. He's concerned that the statute of limitations would have run out in 2012. Right. So. He paid several men to kidnap Kronbach, <gasps> who was at this point 74 years old, and to deliver him to French authorities. So. Fuck the yeah. abduction. Here's the Liam Neeson of Dr. Dieter Kronbach began in the village of Schaedegger in southern Germany on October 17th of 2009. His three kidnappers punched him in the face, tied him up, gagged him, and threw him in the back of their car. They drove 150 miles crossing the border into the Alsace region of mm -hmm. France with Kronbach stretched, stretched out on the floor between the seats. Um, oh they stopped in the town of Mulhaus, and an accomplice, like one of the kidnappers, called the local police and stayed on the line just long enough to deliver a bizarre instruction, which was, go to the rue de, de Telul across from the customs office, the anonymous caller said, you'll find the man tied up. And so a few minutes later, two police cars arrive at the scene, their lights are blaring, and behind an iron gate in a dingy courtyard between two four-story buildings lay Dieter Kronbach on the ground. His hands oh, and feet were God. bound, his mouth gagged. He was very roughed up. Mm -hmm. um, he actually had a, a fractured skull, but he was oh, alive. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and but he was alive. Police... <laughs> he was alive. It's fine. He's but fine. when the police removed the covering from his mouth, the first thing he said was, Bambeski's behind it. So <laughs> oh my then Andre is arrested and they found on him 19,000 euros that he intended to pay the kidnappers and he was released on bail. Uh huh. So Germany demanded that Dieter return to Germany and the extradition of Andre and the perpetrators but France refused to do shit. Yeah, because signs lead to this dude killed a 14-year-old girl. Yes, which I have to say, I'm slightly confused by their, like, we're fighting for this, but then, like, they protect Roman Polanski. <laughs> I just don't understand <laughs> oh, it. Oh, well, the justice system seldom makes much sense, so... I feel like France is an air sign. They decide um, <laughs> willy-nilly, like, oh, we're going to do this. We're not going to do that. Maybe we'll do it this time. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's mull um, over some wine. <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> and crepes. Anyway, so then um, Dieter Kronbach was imprisoned, and a new trial was scheduled. Mm -hmm. And testimony of a German woman came to light who said... She had had an affair with Kronbach when she was 16 years old. <gasps> Ew. Which I I don't know that Germany, but I do know that that in some places that is the legal age of consent. Oh, that's true. Still gross. Still I gross. I think in like, the UK, uh, 16, you're yeah. legally an adult. Yep. 
Um, at this point, they discovered that the doctor would drug his wife during his encounters with the 16-year-olds. Oh, my God, that's disgusting. Right. Keep in mind, his wife died um, at 24. She was super young. Right. Just suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Huh. And several other women testified at trial that Kronbach had sexually abused them as teenagers, always using cobalt iron injections. Holy shit. And so, on October 22nd, 2011, Dieter Kronbach was sentenced to 15 years in prison for causing intentional bodily harm, resulting in unintentional death. And so the prosecutors believed that he drugged Kalinka in order to rape her and that the death was accidental. Right. Okay. And the verdict was then confirmed on appeal in December of 2012. So Dieter's lawyer immediately vowed to appeal further to the court of Cassation, which is one of like the four courts of last resort in France. Mm hmm. And it has jurisdiction over all criminal and civil matters um, in the judicial system. Like, it's a big deal to have to go there. It's like the Supreme Court of Appeals, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Okay. But the the appeal was rejected in April of 2014. Because he is a disgusting fucking pig. Jesus. Exactly. I'm going to say it, y'all. If you don't like this, plug your ears. He's a cunt. He is a cunt. I have to say, it's one of my favorite swear words. I don't understand why people don't like it, but I wield it. I, I try to. I try to not wield it very much, so that when I do call somebody a cunt, it fucking means something. But it should be in use. It just—it's like there's some people that are just fucking vile, and that's just fucking vile. Yeah. <clears throat> so he appealed to the European Court of Human Rights claiming that he had been prosecuted twice for the same crime. The court rejected the appeal in March of 2018, holding that the independent prosecutions in Germany and France were not ruled out by the European Convention of Human Rights. So, like, sorry, dude. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not sorry. Mm -hmm. So, Andre, you know, he did have somebody kidnapped. So Germany's... Yeah demanded to have him extradited to stand trial for the kidnapping but that was rejected in 2009 by france with the argument that andre would be tried in france instead okay so his trial for the kidnapping occurred may 22nd and 23rd of 2014 and he confessed that he had agreed to have him abducted he was very frank about it yeah he's like this is my fucking daughter i knew this guy had something to do with it i'm gonna do whatever i need to to get justice for my daughter like, that's exactly. a fucking parent. And so he got a um, one-year suspended jail sentence. Great. That's it. Whatever. Cool. Yep. We love him. We, this is why I said he's, like, Liam Neeson level, but, like, one step below, because he didn't do the kidnapping himself. But, but also, like, it. isn't it funny he that it he's, happen. like, reverse Liam Neeson? Because Liam Neeson goes out to find his daughter's kidnappers, <laughs> But in this one, he goes out to kidnap his daughter's murderer. Exactly. So we love him. We will protect him at all costs. I don't know how. I think he's old now. But um, <laughs> we defend Andre. We're on Andre's side. He's in his side. 80s. 
He's in his 80s. He's uh, 30... 1937 he was born? 35? Did mm-hmm. I say 35? He's up there. He is up there yeah. for sure. He I mean, we're already it. in the 20s, people. So he's like mm-hmm. 90, actually. Probably. He'll be 90. My grandma turned 90 last year, and she was born in 1930. Gotcha. Then there you go. Yeah. Nah. 80s going on 90. There you go. Well, wow. Oh, I have a little bit more. Okay. I'm ready. Kronbach. Um, he was in the 70s suspected of having killed his wife with an injection. Found mm-hmm. that out. No charges were filed. Um, in a trial in 1997, he did admit to having drugged a 16-year-old patient and raping her in his Ew. medical office. God. So he admits it. Why is he only getting 15 years, though? That, I, that seems so little to me for all he's done. Well, and he received a two-year suspended sentence and lost his medical license for that. Okay. And then um, in 2006, sentenced to 28 months in prison for practicing medicine without a license. Oh, my God. That was before the other thing. Uh, these are my, like, last-minute notes of, like, what else can I find? <laughs> and um, early of last year, he was actually taken away from the prison that he was staying in after serving nine of his 15-year sentence for medical reasons, and I could not find anything after that. So I don't know if he's dead or if I care. Yeah, I really don't fucking care. Yeah. But that's my story. Wow. Well, amazing on Andre. Okay, if Andre's doing all that, what the fuck was the mom doing? Looking sad in her pictures. Like, Jesus. not like, I'm so sad, but like, sad. You know, <laughs> she fucked up. God. Um. Well, good on Andre. That is so sad for Kalinka, but I'm so happy she got her justice. She had a good dad. She yeah. had a great dad. That's what you fucking do for your kid. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let me tell you, this is a very European episode because my paranormal story uh, occurs in Italy. Oh, yes. You like the... I don't know why I'm using that accent. You like the (laughs) Italian. (laughs) I do like the Italian. I I lived in Florence for for a, a, a minute. Um... And I these did are want beautiful to... pictures. I see these skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll talk about the skeletons in a bit. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I am covering the haunted island of Povelia, which is a very small island just off the coast of Venice in the Venetian Lagoon. Ooh. Yes. Um, so it's, it's nicknamed the Island of Ghosts. It has a very dark past, which I'll get into, of course. Love um, it. I just want to talk about kind of like the buildings and structures. So when you see the photos, it's like a lot of trees because this place has been mm-hmm. abandoned. There's a lot of overgrowth and stuff. But this island did serve many purposes throughout the years. So some of the structures on the building, the surviving ones, that is, um, it consists of a um, cavana, which is basically like a boathouse. A church, a hospital, an asylum, a bell tower, some housing, and administrative buildings for staff. Um, The bell tower is the most visible structure on the island, and it dates back to the 12th century, so 
just like everything in Europe, mega old, but you know, actually in European standards, that's like new. Yeah. <laughs> really? So um so the bell tower belonged to the church of San Vitale, uh, which was demolished in 1806. And then the tower was reused as a lighthouse. Fun fact. Um, the existence of an asylum on Povelia seems to be confirmed because there are signs um, that say Reparto Psiquiatria, uh, Psiquiatria, which means psychiatric department. Um, that's still vis- visible on the decrepit buildings. Um, it was actually this photographer guy called Ransom Riggs, and I'll link, I'll link I like him. Name. Right, Ransom Riggs. Um, he actually did like this photo essay, essay documenting his visit to Povelia back in like 2010. Oh. Um, so yeah, a lot of like the most recent pictures of Povelia come from kind of his photo essay. Um, there is rumors that there was once a prison or that some of the buildings were reused as a prison, but there's no real evidence of that. I'm just going to put that out there. I could not okay. find that in confirmed in really any sources more than just like rumors. Um, so there is a bridge that connects the island. Um, it's so on, tiny. It's really, really tiny. So there's like this little canal. There's one part of the island, which is like a smaller part. That's where, like, all the buildings and structures are. And then there's this little, like, canal. There's a bridge that connects the other half of the island that's just, like, trees and fields, pretty much. Mm -hmm. It does have an octagonal fort um, Mm -hmm. and is on a third, that's, like, on a third separate kind of its own little island. It's kind of like an artificial island um, that was built on it. If you look at kind of, like, the overhead picture, you can kind of see it. Right next yeah. to the bell tower, just to the right of it. Yeah. Um, and that's actually pretty historic, too. Even though that's newer, that's, that's pretty historic. Um, this island <sighs> contains one, possibly more, plague pits. Hence, oh. the photo of the bones. Um, that isn't a photo of a plague pit uh, in Povelia Island. It's just assumed that it most likely has one because it's very well known that people who had the plague were sent here. That's kind of one of the biggest parts of its like dark history. Um, But that photo is of a nearby Island. So it's kind of used as like an example of, you know what we're talking about here, like what the, what the earth's made of. And I'll post it on, on our Instagram, but it's like skeletons upon skeletons upon skeletons, like just this big pit. That was that's been ex- excavated on a nearby island. Um, so an estimate published by National Geographic suggests that over a hundred thousand people died on the island over the centuries and were buried in plague pits. Um, and, and another source, Atlas Obscura, provides an estimate even higher of a hundred and sixty thousand people. Um, oh wow! However way you slice it, a shit ton of people. <laughs> right, like. A ton of people. News reports published in 2014-2015 confirmed that the building and resting artifacts still existed. Um, So it's super, super illegal, actually, to go to Povelia right now. Dang it. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, just have to put that out there. Like, they're still so you know, close about to buy my tickets. There's still th- no like deal. thrill seekers that like they pay fishermen to you know take them out there illegally. Um, oh, but you can get in like mega trouble. Like you have to do you like you can't get caught. I'm not condoning anyone to do this. I'm just saying like what people in the past have done the last few years. Um, I'll also link some footage of a guy that did sneak on there with like a friend and they did that thing where they paid off some sort of fisherman or like a water taxi person uh-huh. that dropped them off and like sped the fuck away because they don't want to get caught. Like, then how did they get home? Well, I mean, they must have arranged for the guy to like swing back around or something at a particular time of day. What's the because, water again, like there? Can you swim? Um, you know, is, is I. Is it choking? I've never been to the area of Venice, um, but it doesn't look super choppy in the videos and photos that I've seen. Okay. Because it is a lagoon, so it's relatively shallower. Like, it's not, you know. Right. But I can't say for, say for certain. I'm, I'm not super yeah, familiar yeah. with that area. Um, so, Pavelia, again, as I said, a small island located between <laughs> Venice and um, Lido in the Venetian Lagoon in northern Italy. There's that small canal that um, separates the island into two parts. During the Roman Empire, the island was used to house victims of the plague in order to protect the rest of the country, um, forcing people who are infected to live and pretty much die in isolation. And again, this is a tiny island, y'all. Yeah. Just imagine just like how overcrowded it, it got. Yeah. You'll see in photos. This is not a big island at all. Oh, the smell. Mm-hmm. Or the smell. Because then you have, like, oh. the field of, like, all the bodies decaying. Yeah. Um. So the island is first mentioned in Chronicles of um, 421 when people from Padua and Este fled there to escape the barbarian invasions. So what they the did find refuge in that island. Um, and actually, oh. it got better like for centuries this they like formed this small community they were living there in peace there was like that part of the island where there's like the field so they were able to like kind of farm off the land and it also served as like a trades post and what was super nice was they were able to avoid the laws and taxes from the mainland okay so it was a pretty sweet refuge for the people that did flee there um however in the ninth century the island's population began to grow and in the following centuries after that, its importance grew as, like, the trading post and everything. And it actually mm-hmm. um, was eventually governed by a dedicated podesta, um, which is pretty much, like, a governor. Like, okay. it had, like, a governor. So no longer could they, you know, be exempt from, like, laws and taxes and stuff. So that did change a few centuries later. And in 1348, the bubonic plague arrived in Venice. So, again, Povelia served, as it did in the past, as, like, a a plague pit. Um, And like many other small islands in the area, it also became a quarantine colony. So, quick stats on the plague. It killed one out of three Europeans. Dude. That's a third of Europe. Yeah. Like a third. We just, you know, are coming out of the the pandemic now and how horrible and frightening that was. But we did not lose a third of our people. Can you imagine? 
Like, I'm not downplaying the pandemic at all. Like, it was a serious thing, (laughs) our most recent one that we just went through in 2020 and into 2021. But this was just a different level. Um, Because, like, what was hygiene back in 1348? Um, (laughs) And even, honestly, if you think of just hygiene and how much it's progressed, it's, it's only a very young thing, like, actual sanitary... It really stuff. is. Like I mean, it's very hi- new. Hygiene and disease and germs yeah. and what those are and how they spread. They didn't know shit back they then. Didn't they didn't know led people shit. to feel better. I know. The bloodletting <laughs> and they thought that sickness was um contracted only through air, like having bad airs. Right. I mean, yes, like well, you know, look at COVID and it's like that's it's contracted yeah. through the air, yes. But they thought like, oh, just go to somewhere that has good air and you'll be cured. But they didn't have any sense of like evolve. germs, bacteria, what even exactly. viruses were. Like they didn't know that like, that's wild to me. Like I remember seeing a movie. What was it? I think it was um, Hysteria, which talked about mm-hmm. like women's hysteria and how it was like a, a medical diagnosis. And thus the right. invention of the vibrator came from that. Um a whole story that we really should delve into because it's very interesting. But oh my God, yes. not right now. Um, this guy, the person that pretty much invented the vibrator, he was like working in a hospital. And then you just see these people in the movie like come in and they like have horse shit on their shoes because they're walking through London where there's like horse carriages and they just step on the shoes. and They're in a hospital with patients and they just like smear the shit on the floor and they don't even think that that's unsanitary. Like it just and this is the 1800s. Like late I'm 1800s. There weren't a lot of Virgos back then. So I don't think our cleanliness <laughs> obsession is a new thing. I think it's always been a thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, People just weren't having sex during that time. Oh, well, someone was fucking for sure. But um... just not during that time that would make a Virgo. I don't think. I just, <laughs> I have to put that out there. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, so. Yeah, so back to the plague. It's the 1300s, mid-1300s. People are freaking out. I mean, they've already gone through the Black Death before, like way back in Roman mm-hmm. times. Like, it's not, a, it's not a new virus. They're seeing it again, though, the, the first spike in a while. They're freaking out. And Venice decides that they're going to exile anyone who slightly possibly could be showing any sort of ill symptoms. They just banish them to this island. Mm-hmm. People were dragged kicking and screaming because it was pretty much like if you're sent there, that's a death sentence. You don't go there to get like treated. You just literally go there so that you're not around the people who are still healthy. Yeah. And then you're put in a crowd with a bunch of other actually sick people. So you could be having like a rash from literally something else entirely that doesn't have to do with the plague and and your people would just send you off. Yeah, like, God forbid that you, like, sneezed in the wrong place at the wrong time, people, or or anything, or it it was very, very scary times. And yeah, so being sent to Povelia was was a death sentence. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the Black Death was no joke. uh, But yeah, I just think of all those poor people that were sent. Like, everyone sent there, like, it. period, was, it was very, like, unfortunate, but the ones that didn't even have the Black Death was just, oh, yeah. that sucks. So, at the island center, 
um, the dead and those too sick to protest were burned on giant pyres. So oh they God. sometimes, yeah, because there was such overcrowding, they would just they wouldn't even wait for some people to die. They would just be like, "Well, they're almost gone anyways. Let's just toss them in with the rest of the cadavers." Jesus. Yeah. No, this place was a horror movie. <laughs> it's pretty. It was much. a hell. It was a literal hellscape. This is crazy. Hold on to your horses, y'all. So, 50% of the island's soil today is estimated to be made from human ash. No. Really? Yeah. Like, up That's to 50%. So mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands of people wow. dying there. It makes sense. And being burnt. They, those remains didn't get carted anywhere else. They just built on top of them. Right. Wild, wild stuff. Um, in 1379, uh, Venice came under attack from the Genoan fleet, and the people of Povelia were moved to the uh, Judeca. And the island remained uninhabited in um, the coming centuries after that. And then mm-hmm. in 1527, the Doge offered the island. Doge is pretty much like another kind of like government official that was assigned to the island. Mm-hmm. He offered the island to the Camaldolese monks who were like, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> They're like not idiots. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why. Maybe they were, you know, the Doge was like, it's so funny because they keep saying Doge, but I think of like the Doge. Yeah. Yeah. Dogecoin. Yep, the Dogecoin. The Dogecoin offered the (laughs) island. No. Um, Yeah, so the monks were like, thanks, but no thanks. And from 1645 and on, the Venetian government built five octagonal forts to protect and control the entrances to the lagoon. And that's that one octagonal, that's one of the five that's um, man made built on the island. Or just off the island, I should say, really. Um, there was five built, but only four remain. So the one in Povelia is one out of four okay. that, are, that has still s- survived. In 1776, the island came under the jurisdiction of the Magistrato alla Satina, sa, um, Sanita. Magistrato alla Satina, which be, I want to say Satina, Sanita, public health office, like the magistrate of okay. sanitation public health office pretty much and it became a checkpoint for all goods and people coming to and going from venice by ship so pretty much like the ellis island of venice plus trade um in 1793 there were several cases of the plague on two ships so the plague's back y'all um yeah she's a bitch uh, and, and consequently, the island was transformed into a temporary confinement station for the ill, which um, is called a laz- uh, lazaretto. Okay. This role of the island to be a lazaretto became permanent in 1805 under the rule of Napoleon Bonaparte, who also had the old church of San Vitale that was on the island. He had it destroyed. Mm-hmm. But the bell tower wasn't destroyed. He just converted it into the lighthouse, like I mentioned earlier. Okay. So he's kind of transitioning Povelia to be to serve more as like a fort as well. Right. Um, and 
the lazaretto was closed in 1814. So after 1814, Povelio was no longer a lazaretto. Um, the island was then used as a quarantine station from 1793 until 1814. I mean, I guess that kind of runs concurrently with it being the lazaretto. Um, in 1922, the existing buildings were converted into an asylum for the mentally ill. And, oh my gosh, throwback to your um, a, a History of Asylums episode. Oh, yeah. As we know, it's people were sent to asylums. Like, you weren't even, didn't even have to be severely mentally ill. Like, you mm-hmm. could have had, like, a learning disability, like dyslexia or something. Yep. And you were sent to this place yep a lot of horrors happened i mean people were housed there yes but this asylum was not intended to like give mentally ill people any refuge or any rehabilitation no therapy whatsoever it was literally like oh we have that weird cousin who is bonkers let's send them off so they're no longer a family embarrassment so they can just rot there um and particularly even more cruelty occurred to those patients um it was said that in the 1930s there was a doctor that allegedly experimented on patients and performed very crude lobotomies on them mm-hmm. according to um several reports most recently by the Travel Channel, <laughs> the doctor jumped from the bell tower in the 1930s after claiming he had been driven mad by ghosts. He was, like, reporting that he was being haunted by his past patients that had died because of his treatments. Um, and so the accounts of this kind of vary because some people think that he just went mad with, like, his conscience, his guilt, and then mm-hmm. he, you know, jumped off from the bell tower or that he was driven mad by the ghosts and that some even say that he was even pushed by the ghosts one nurse who was walking the grounds when it happened so the thing was that this doctor didn't die right away when he fell and hit the ground (laughs) what killed him According to this nurse who was a witness, she saw a mist emerging from the ground that seemed to have straddled on top of him and choked him to death. Okay, yeah. So, that's one legend. And others reports say that, you know, he fell and then he died later of his injuries. Either way, I feel like, don't if you've done some really shitty things and the guilt is coming back... Ghosts could be real or metaphorical, or I feel like it, the metaphor could turn into legit ghosts. Yeah. Why not? Like we talked right? about poltergeist, you know, and it becoming yeah. its own entity with enough like energy. Mm-hmm. So um, what's really interesting is that the bell tower, like it's been, I don't know exactly what year, but at least decades that the actual bell has been removed Mm -hmm. nearby residents and people who have visited the island have claimed to still hear the bell chiming even though the bell is not there on the tower anymore Mm -hmm. and what's crazy is that in the video that i'll link the guys are walking the you know 
walking the grounds and you you can hear the bell like a bell chiming oh. and there's no other bells on the island there's only that one bell tower mm-hmm. so mm, pretty creepy um let's see i kind of lost my place so where are we do 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 Okay, so um, so there was a report titled Haunted History that states that some restoration work had started recently, but that it, quote, abruptly stopped without ex- any explanation. But I know why. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the mid-20th century, the facility was converted into a geriatric center, which closed in 1975. And that was sweet. Like, like they did they they not only took elderly people they took elderly like homeless or low income people that couldn't afford Aww. like nursing home and housing and housed them there so it did serve like <laughs> at least one you know kind of positive <laughs> thing but yeah. it was a little short lived i guess in comparison to like its very long um negative history right uh, Povelia was also featured in the Alex Ryder series by Anthony Horowitz as um, Malagosto, which was the main assassin training center for Scorpia. Or, okay. Yeah, Scorpia. So I guess, you know, if you're familiar with that series, it was featured there. Um, plus many more references in books and other media. Um, I keep losing my place. Okay. Um, so. Uh, so after the closure of the, um, nursing home slash long-term care facility, the island was briefly used for agriculture, and then it was completely Mm -hmm. abandoned. In 2014, the Italian state auctioned a 99-year lease of Povelia. Like, holy crap, I'd be so scared of, like, signing that lease. (laughs) That's a (laughs) lot of commitment. (laughs) That is. And also very specific, like, why not a hundred ninety-nine-year lease? Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they auctioned a 99-year lease of Povelia, which would remain state property to raise revenue, hoping that the buyer would redevelop to uh, redevelop, like, the hospital into some sort of luxury hotel. So okay. they could t- turn it into some sort of, like, you know, tourist thing, because... Let's be honest, Italy has run into some, like, financial pinches here and there. The highest bid was from an Italian businessman called Luigi Brugnaro. Um, He bought the bid at 513,000 euro, and he had planned to invest 20 million euros in a restoration plan. The lease did not proceed because his project was judged not to meet all the conditions from, um, from the Italian state. Okay. Others, uh, other sources suggested that the deal was annulled because the because the bid was too low. Um, Brugnato initially fought the cancellation of the lease, but after he became mayor of Venice, he was like, "Whatever, I'm mayor of Venice now. I don't care about an island. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good." In 2015, a private group called Povelia per tutti, which basically means Povelia for all, um, was hoping to raise 25 to 30 million euro for a new plan to include a public park, a marina, a restaurant, a hostel, and a study center, according to the Telegraph, which I thought would have been super cool 
Those plans fell through. This is like very, very consistent with this island. No one wants it. Yeah. Either no one wants it or things fall through. Some people say that it's some sort of curse. I don't know why it's much of a curse if like nothing bad really happens other than like no one wants to own it. But yeah. I think that just more speaks to maybe the curse is just like the reputation this island has. Yeah. And as of now, the island still sits vacant. Again, as I said, it's mm-hmm. super, super legal to go there. Um, it's entirely abandoned. Like, the entire thing is abandoned. Uh, locals and tourists are prohibited from visiting, and fishermen even steer clear of the accursed place. And that's two reasons. One, because of, like, all the paranormal activity that they're afraid right. of, right? Um, but also another reason, which I'll get to, actually. Um... So yeah, I mentioned the Italian Italian construction crew that attempted to restore the former hospital. <laughs> um, I got tomorrow off, so I'm going to be relaxing for the rest of the night. I already knew that. Get out. It's your turn. Continue. Oh, when when I get startled like that, I don't know if this happens to you, but like I literally feel pain in my extremities. Like my nerves like must fire at all cylinders because I feel literal like pain. I don't. I don't really startle. Oh, God, Laura. (laughs) Graham, do I startle? Bye, Laura. Bye, Gavin. (laughs) Graham, do I startle? (laughs) I asked him, he goes, I don't know, and picks up a phone call and walks away. (laughs) He has more important, he's very busy and important, Laura. Don't disturb him. (laughs) Meanwhile, I haven't seen him this whole time. Oh my god. Okay. Um oh gosh, where were we before I like freaked the fuck out? Okay. Yeah, Something so the about Italian a hospital. Cons- yeah, the construction crew that attempted to restore the former hospital building, but abruptly stopped without explanation. Obviously they left locals to speculate like, oh, they were driven away by the island's dark forces. Who knows? Maybe they just lost funding. Right. But that could also be, you know, I'm I'm sure the crew was very happy that they no longer had to work on that island. Because this is a very yeah. well-known, like, Italian thing. Mm-hmm. That was not the most eloquent sentence. But <laughs> it's a very well-known Italian thing. thing. <laughs> it sounds like me. I do that all the time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as I said, even though it's super legal to go there, people have still gone there. Very, very legally. They're very lucky to have not gotten, like, caught. But um, there's this guy, Matt something. I forget what his last name is. He has a YouTube channel called Finders Beepers History Seekers. He's from um, England. It's a weird name. I know. (laughs) But it kind of has a ring to it. I don't know. I like it. It does. It totally Um, does. He makes videos, like, going to abandoned, uh, abandoned historic places. Often with like a, I don't know, mo- he doesn't make it like super like, oh, this is a supernatural investigation. He doesn't really do that. He just kind of goes and films and like documents what he sees, which is kind of cool. Because like, how many times have you passed by like an abandoned building as a kid and been like, I just want to explore. just want to oh, see. Totally. What- There's something attractive about this place that's just been abandoned. Like any place. Yeah. There's an allure. 
I think any place where you can go by yourself and just really explore it. Because when do you ever get a chance to do that mm-hmm. unless you are an adult who is purchasing a house? Oh, my God. So true. <laughs> That's the truest thing you've said today. <laughs> um, Yeah. So he said in his video when he went to Povelia with he like brought along this like friend. Um, He said mm-hmm. it was really, really eerie. Um, quote, you could tell even the water taxi driver was scared, not just of the police, but of the place itself. He couldn't get away quick enough. The island is so full of dark, dark history. A hell of a lot of people have died there. And you really get a sense of the horrors that took place, uh, took place there while you're walking around. They burnt all the bodies and left them where they lay. The island has never really been cleared properly or anything. So everything has just been left. Uh, Later on, when it was turned into an asylum and because people were shoved there out of the way of prying eyes, they started to do experiments on them. Horrible, horrible stuff, Um, which we kind of already talked about. Yeah. Um, While we were there, we heard the bell toll, and that was quite spooky. That did actually freak me out a little bit. It was like an omen or something. So even uh, Ghost Adventures has been there. So the only way to really (laughs) get there illegally now, of course they have been, right? Yeah. Like, of course they've been. Where they have they been? They had to go through like a pretty like strenuous application process through the Italian government to get permission to spend 24 hours there to do their episode. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, they they were dropped off there. They're like we're going to pick you up in 24 hours, have fun. And then Zach Bagas was like, "Aaron, did you hear that?" Um, a bunch of times. I'm gonna choke you. <laughs> Sorry, that Aaron, wasn't me. Aaron, I just want to rip your fucking throat out. Oh, I didn't mean that, bro. That wasn't me. <laughs> oh my god. And then there's like a speck of dust that just like crosses the lens. Was this the spirit of the man who committed suicide here? <laughs> what was that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> Oh my god. You gotta love it, though. You gotta love it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, they got all kinds of spooked on the island, um, as Zach Bagans does. Mm-hmm. Um, their episode on Povelia, where the crew was just, like, there, so they experienced a bunch of different stuff. Um, they per- like, uh, captured perceived apparitions, recordings of creepy music, Come kind of coming from nowhere. Um, They reported feeling weird energy. There was a lot of inexplicable equipment malfunctions and the ghost monitors, like the equipment that they used, just went off the Mm -hmm. charts. Like, super, super active. At least, like, the electromagnetic field kind of censoring stuff. Not censoring. Sensing. (laughs) Um, They addressed the ghosts in Italian, even. And they're like... Yeah, right? I mean, it, like, makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Because can you imagine, like, are you a murderer? And the <laughs> the Italian person's just like, I don't know. What are they Kay? saying? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was very, very considerate of them to address them in Italian. Um, but then I wondered what they would do. Once they, if they got any, like they did get EVPs, but they're like, okay, now I have to get Google Translate out. Just, I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, They did hear a lot of mysterious bangs, 
audible footsteps, disembodied voices, and strange orbs that are all captured on video and audio. So check that episode out. I wish I had looked up like the season episode number, but unfortunately I didn't. So anyways, y'all can Google it. We'll find that. We'll find that. I actually, not to interject, I, I purchased Discovery Plus. Nice. Um, And Ghost Adventures is all over that shit. So. Yeah, they are. You know, yeah, they are. Find it. <laughs> so this is really interesting. Povelia Island still happens to be home to a lot of thriving grape vineyards. Okay. Yeah, like there's a vineyard on there. Um, nearly the only people who dare visit the island are the ones that are paid to go and seasonally harvest the grapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're cool with it, I guess. I guess. I mean, I'm sure they like sign a waiver like, you know, if you think you're cursed, we're not liable. Um <laughs> <laughs> But it makes sense because grapevines do really well in like loamy, ashy soil. So there you go. If you drink any of the wine from that, you're kind of drinking dead bodies. Think about it. (laughs) I don't drink. I was going to say if Laura drank, she'd be all over that shit. (laughs) I cook with it. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so a sense of sorrow and heavy su- heavy suffering is very often reported by people who visit the island. Um, in fact, there's reports that people hear screaming, sometimes even so loud that it's like a boat that's just kind of sailing by nearby the, the island and they just hear, like, screams, which is like, holy shit. Um. But yeah, so visitors to Pavelia have been forbidden for decades. Of course, that does not stop the occasional thrill seeker. Um, Some look at it as like a dare and others are just genuinely interested in experiencing a bit of the paranormal or just like seeing the landscape because there's when you see photos of Pavelia and like its structures, there's very little like graffiti. It's not like there have been a Mm -hmm. lot of people because there haven't been a lot of people. The kind of overgrowth that like nature has reclaimed the island with is is like eerie but like amazingly beautiful to like look at like there's um i don't think i have it on this document on my notes but there is a photo of like this cement staircase leading into one of the buildings like like leading leading into the entrance and then you just see these really thick root structures from the trees surrounding it that have just like totally gone over it because like there's just not there's no one there I love it. you know i love it I love like it so nature much. has just like taken over and that's why you see that it's so thickly like wooded and stuff um oh, and also if you think about just like all of the ash and everything like and all the decomposing bodies like soil and plants love that shit yeah they're gonna do really well in that kind of soil um with anything decomposing like that um so yes um, a handful of psychics have been brought to the island. They claim that there is an energy, um, and there's some are like most of them are described as just like a really suffering negative energy, not so much that it's like a ghost of a bad person, but just like this right. person was tortured during their time here, and that there's also some um malignant forces, um vengeful spirits that are angry about the torture that they did endure um 
some psychics and paranormal experts have been so deeply frightened that most of them refuse to ever return. And it's an ongoing theme to like people that visit Povelia. It's just, you just never want to go back. Which is always interesting. I mean, I could, I could see that regardless of if it's haunted or not, that it's still, it's a, that's a rough history. That's a really rough history. That's a lot of energy. Like a lot of energy. I imagine that's there. I mean, you think of, the over 100,000 plague victims and then the mental patients buried on the small island. Yeah. There's, it's also no surprise that like human bones continue to wash up on its shores, making it like even eerier. So, so I mentioned also like how the fishermen try to steer clear of Povelia. One, Mm -hmm. you know, they believe in like it being cursed and like the dark forces and everything. But two, they also fear picking up human bones in their fish nets rather than actual fish. Like there's, I mean, it's just so saturated in human remains death. that, yeah, that they can't even fish near that island because they just run into you know picking up human bones, which is oof, yeah. Um. So when the mental hospital on Povelia was finally closed in 1868, the island was sold to a private owner. However, okay. he did not have it for very long before selling it to yet another owner. So here's more of that hot potato thing that we're talking about. Right. In both instances, the new owners could not bear to spend time there. Like, they both wanted it to, like, be their own private islands and, like, have an estate. And they could not take it. Like, um, the first owner didn't, like, experience a lot. It was just mostly, like, just the energy was just kind of, like, suffocating. And then the second owner, second private owner... He also described, obviously, like, a very heavy and morbid atmosphere. He reported strange sounds combined with, like, all the hauntings that have been reported in the past. Just, like, more of the same. Um, As a result, the island was left completely abandoned. Oh, my gosh. Where is it? Sorry. My notes kind of got out of order here. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, then another private owner... That came across Povelia. It was actually a family that purchased the island and they intended for it to be like a private holiday home. They're like, oh, we'll have our own private island, just like super close to Venice. Um, Which, yeah, like it's prime. It's a prime location. Just horrible history. Um, So they arrived. They got settled in. It's their first day. They move in. It's their first night there. And on this very first night that they stay there. Within hours, the family fled never to return. They reported that their daughter's face was nearly ripped off by an angry resident entity. The family arrived back on the Venice shores with their daughter's face bleeding profusely. And there are witnesses to this. Oh. Yeah. I mean, witnesses to the daughter arriving with, like, something clearly was trying to, like, like scratch at her face or something. Mm -hmm. Um. Only the family witnessed this, like, attack by this entity. Um, yeah, and amid numerous reports from illegal visitors is the story of a very um, curious thil- thrill-seeker. So, like, beware. This is a very cautionary tale, I would say. He went to Povelia with a group of friends, um, and he reported that when they entered the abandoned mental hospital, Mm-hmm. Um, they all sensed a very heavy, f- 
feeling of dread all around them. And then there was a very deep voice that warned, leave immediately and do not return. And they got the fuck out of there. And yeah, so that is the story of the haunted island of Povelia. I just want someone to buy the island who's going to be like, let's find peace. Right? Like, I'm surprised that wasn't, it's all about, like, developing it and using it, but, like, Mm -hmm. just maybe, like, take a beat, (laughs) realize what's happened there, and, like, maybe the island's just a memorial. That would be really nice to make it a memorial, right? Um, they haven't really yeah. thought of that. I mean, they I I really liked the idea of the um what was it? The the group that wanted to make it into like a public park with a marina and a restaurant, like yeah. something that people can go out and enjoy. Um, there are attempts to actually, you know, enjoy the island, but no one has really tried to kind of give it like a commemoration for all of those who did die and suffer there because right. wow it has such a dark dark history it does it and it, i feel like no one's gonna be able to really do much with it if they don't address that i don't think yeah think and about it has all those people collectively that have just been ignored like as mm-hmm. a whole okay people someone's talking about our island where we were sent but like them as an individual Mm -hmm. they're lost yeah yeah and and i can only like imagine just like all the all those souls like not only just the sheer amount energy wise but can you imagine if you're stuck on this island with hundreds of thousands over a hundred thousand other people right you're like it's like a a little like hell on earth almost for those poor souls and I don't, yeah. So it's it's very, very, um, it's very creepy. It's very eerie. It's very sad. The amount of people that have suffered and died there, and just like the whole yeah. fact that like they, like during the Black Death, that they didn't even wait for some of those people to even pass before burning them alive. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, anywho, obviously, a lot of this stuff is. Um, other than like the historical black death stuff like that's real but as far as like once you get more into um more modern times like the um the doctor with like the lobotomies like there's no name like who the doctor was or anything that's a legend um the truth is right. I, I often say is somewhere probably in the middle um i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he did some sort of like lobotomies back then like it was the 30s you know yeah, yeah. but um yeah, no, I, I, phew, you won't catch me there. That's for sure. I might. I'd like to like maybe sail next to it, but I won't step onto it. <laughs> I kind of would want to. I mean, I will, I will post that link with our show notes of the, what was the guy's name, Matt, that had the mm-hmm. Jeepers Beepers Seekers history. What is the Beepers? Peepers? I don't know. <laughs> what does the Beepers mean? I wait. Let me find it. What's the name of the, the thing again? Da, da, da. Hold on. Let me find it. Beepers. Okay. Finders, beepers, history seekers. 
I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he collected beepers. I don't know. You remember those? <laughs> I never got to have one. I remember Grandpa. like calling my dad's beeper. Mm-hmm. I, I had a friend doing with that. a beeper. But all the Gen Zers are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Beep, beep, Richie. Beepers was what we had to communicate people that, you know, communicate with hey, people before us. there were cell phones. Yeah, it was like, um, which is so funny because like Grey's Anatomy had that for a while where even after the beeper was pretty much dead in like mainstream, they were still yeah. using beepers when they, like the doctors were needed. But now they kind of yep. they don't have that anymore. Mm hmm. Yeah. Anyways, look it up. Look it up, Gen Zers. So anyways, yeah, that is our episode. <laughs> Just a trip around Europe for y'all. North and South. Yep, there you go. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you got, you know, chills like I did. Um, because that is freaking... 50% human ash. Oof, I just can't get over that. I can't. I, that's why I'm just like, I just, I need it to be a, a like, I'm a more, I need something to be done to like, I don't know, just know that your ash is just chilling where you died. I mean, the Italian no one... government is still seeking a buyer for the island because they're trying to make money off of it. Like they're in, they want to make money off of it. They just want it off their hands. They want to get a chunk of change for it. No one wants it. And when they do want it, they don't keep it for long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anywho, that's it. That's all, folks. Um, thank you so much for listening. Catch us next week for our witchy episode. Um, and also a reminder that our listener stories episode is coming up in just a few weeks um so if you'd like to submit your stories and questions for that please do so i'll give you all the deets um you can go to our website thenewwitches.com we have our contact form there uh you can email it uh, email us at thenewwitches at gmail.com um or give us a holler give us a ring call our google voice number it goes straight to voicemail and you have three minutes to ask your question or tell us your story. The number for that is 707-559-8111. Finally, follow us on all the social media. We're at The New Witches pretty much everywhere. And if you'd like to be a supporter, just like our amazing Patreon members, check us out on patreon.com slash The New Witches. We give you exclusive benefits, including a monthly bonus episode or cauldron side chats. Um, an extended cut of creepy stories with Laura. So you get, you know, a few extra creepy stories in that episode, as well as other exclusive perks that we reserve only for our lovely supporters. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's thank it. So I, I want to give another big thank you to um, Corey and Mar Marina. Oh, yeah. Again, yes. another shout out. Just really, mm -hmm. I. I really hope you guys understand how much we do appreciate you. We really, really do. Um, it helps us make the show better. Um, it mm -hmm. helps us like afford the upkeep of just like the hosting services, upkeeping our, our website. You know, we're really hoping someday to be able to afford like an editor um, so mm -hmm. that we can devote more of our time to developing um more content for you guys to enjoy so like you know 
tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell your parents, tell your familiar, and tell whoever will listen to listen to us. And we always forget to say this, but also, if you know you can't or you don't want to sign up for Patreon, that's totally okay. You know, follow us on social media, and even better, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Yeah our you know people to find us and our ratings it's it, it means a lot and even better if you can write a review like you know give us the five stars like we're super happy with that but if you have that you know <laughs> extra minute of your time leave a review it we so much appreciate it and also your feedback just helps us know what we can do better as well so yeah, totally. we love to hear it um thank you so much y'all stay witchy keep it creepy bye bye